Good evening, everyone. Good evening. Can you hear me? Oh man, you guys can't talk out there, huh? Can you hear me? Amen. Amen. Very good. Before we begin, I'd like to open with a word of prayer. So, would you bow your heads with me, please, Heavenly Father? We're so thankful for the the gift you have given us. We thank you that the world is in your hands. Lord, while all around us seems to be going out of control, we know, Lord, that in the end, you will bring everything to the way it should be. Father, tonight as we open your word, I pray that you would give us understanding. Heavenly Father, we we know tonight that even in this place, There is a war that is going to begin. Father, there are both good and evil angels that are wrestling over every soul. Please, Lord, may your angels be victorious. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good evening. It is good to see all of you tonight. Uh, Welcome to Revelations Star Wars. And for those of you who have seen the movie, I'm sure the title uh, caught your attention. Uh, But we are not going to be showing Star Wars tonight. We are going to be opening up the Word of God and seeing what it has to say to us. Uh, Let me share with you a little story. I'm trying to move all these papers uh, that are up here. Off of the stand. I want to share with you a little story. When I was, uh, this is back in New York City, probably about, uh, I don't know, I was maybe 17, 18, and I was walking in a mall one day with my friends, and uh, I saw a group of people standing by, standing in front of a picture. And they were all looking at this picture, and their eyes were just I mean, they were going, ooh, and ah, and I'm, I'm looking at these people, and, I, and then I take a look at this picture, and all I see is a bunch of zigzag lines. Any of you ever seen those pictures? And I said to myself, what in the world are these crazy people ooing and aahing about? And uh, someone that was standing next to me said, hey, listen, you've got to focus your eyes on this picture because it's the most incredible thing. And I'm going, the most incredible thing? It's a bunch of zigzag lines. And they're saying, no, 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 look at it. So I'm look. I stand there and I begin to look and I'm feeling really foolish. And I'm looking and I'm going, you know, what are these people doing? And then he say, listen, you got to do this little thing with your eyes. And when you do that little thing, the picture's going to jump out at you. So there I am for minutes trying to look at this thing. And all of a sudden, I don't know what I did with my eyes, but the picture became a 3D, that which I could not make sense of, all of a sudden became this beautiful 3D image. Ever seen them? And I was just amazed. And I started ooing and eyeing. <laughs> and then someone came up and you know, was looking at me like, you know, these people are crazy. And I had to go on and explain, hey, look, you got to do this little thing with your eyes. And I began, began to try to explain, this is what you need to do. How many of you have ever read the Bible? and thought that it looked like a bunch of zigzag lines. You don't have to raise your hand. I want to share with you tonight that what we are going to do 
What the Lord is going to do for us tonight is he's going to make his word very, very plain. You will be owing and eyeing by God's grace. Amen? Uh, there is a lot going on in the world today. Um, we look at a lot of events and people are wondering what in the world is going on. What's happening? I mean, the attention, what's happening in the world is grabbing the attention of even skeptics. Even people who don't believe in the Bible are stopping and saying, something is going on here. Something is different about the time we're living in. We know that after September 11th, we literally moved into another phase of history. It was, it was almost like a dividing line between history on September 11th. We are now living in a different world. And people are looking for answers. And I want to share with you that, uh, brothers and sisters, I believe that the answers that we are looking for are found in the Word of God. I believe that the answers we are looking for are found. Jesus himself, himself gives us the answer. And, and I want to share with you right up front why I believe that the Bible has the answers. Why I believe that Jesus is the only one, the only one that has the answers. Now, there are a lot of religions out there. There is Hinduism and Buddhism and Islam. And, you know, sometimes people wonder, well, what makes uh, Christianity, what makes the Bible different from any other book? I want to share with you that before I became a Christian, I studied with the nation of Islam. I studied with a lot of different religions. And there was something in each one of them that just made me say, uh, you know, I'm not so certain about that. I was on my way to the top of the world as a hip-hop artist. How many of you know what hip-hop is anyway? Oh, guys, you, you guys are up on things. Okay. I was a hip-hop artist. I had dreadlocks. How many of you know what dreadlocks are? Oh. Okay, Pastor Robles, all right. Pretty good, pretty good. I had dreadlocks. Long, I was thinking about bringing a picture and showing. I said, you know what, this is really not about me. It's about Jesus. So, you know, I, I, I was on my way to the top. And when I was introduced to the Bible, I was, I was not brought up a Christian. When I was introduced to the Bible... The things that I saw there blew my mind. And blew my mind so much that after studying and studying, I gave up an eight-album contract with EMI Records for $800,000. Now, mind you, I dropped out of college to get this record deal. My brother and two best friends, and we got this record deal. Yes, we're about to be on top of the world. No more school. Hooray. Got into the, the music industry, began recording our first album, and in the middle of recording our first album, we began to, we were introduced to the book of Revelation. And at first we began to use it as a tool to uh, put in our music. We had no clue what we were talking about, but we said, hey, you know what, uh, it would be kind of cool to put something spiritual in our music, so let's go to the book of Revelation. Had no clue. What we were talking about. But as we began to read this book, and as we began to to inquire and ask the Lord, Lord, what, what are these things talking about? And as they began to become plain to us, brothers and sisters, the conviction was so powerful that I knew that I could not continue on in that way. I want to say tonight that there was a star war over my life. 
And God is now using me not as a star of the world, but in a different way. And let me tell you that this seminar has a lot to do. You're going to discover God's role for you in this seminar. So we're not just going to be learning about uh, prophecies and what's going to happen in the end times, but we're going to learn about how God feels about each one of you. Amen? Let me share with you some of the things that convicted me that the Bible was a different book. If you would turn in your Bibles to the book of John, and let me tell you, I have a very formidable task. Tonight's message is entitled The Rebellion. The Rebellion. I have a very formidable task of explaining to you in a limited amount of time uh, events that have taken at least 6,000 years to transpire. Tonight's message is going to be an overview, okay? It's going to be an overview of everything we're going to talk about. It's going to be an overview of uh, what we might call the controversy between Christ and Satan. We're going to go to heaven before the earth was created. We're going to see what took place there. We're going to see how the controversy came down to earth. And we're going to see how it, end, how it ends. Does that sound good? Amen. Oh, didn't know you were out there. Amen. All right. Now, I want you to notice in John chapter 3. John chapter 3. Actually, you know what? It's John chapter 13. Excuse me. John chapter 13 and verse 19. John chapter 13, verse 19. And I want you to notice something that Jesus says here. Don't mind that. Three there, John 3, is John 13, verse 19. Jesus says something very powerful here. Jesus says something that sets him aside from every other person claiming to be uh, a Messiah or God. Notice John 3, verse 19. It says, now I tell you, this is Jesus speaking, now I tell you what? Before it what? Comes to pass... Or before it come, that when it is come to pass, you may believe that I am He. This is Jesus' very own challenge. He says, what sets me aside, what sets the Bible aside from every other book, from every other so-called Messiah, from every other religion, is that I will tell you things before they come to pass, so that when they come to pass, you will know that I am He. I am the one. Now, if I told you, if I listed 10 things that were going to happen after you left this, this uh, building tonight, and all 10 of those things came to pass, would you believe anything else that I said from here on out? This is what Jesus is saying. He's saying, listen, don't just trust me just because I say that I'm the Messiah. I'm going to give you a child. I'm going to let you, I'm going to give you something by which you can test me. I will tell you before it comes to pass that when it comes to pass, you may know that I am he. Consider Luke, the book of Luke, chapter 21. Luke chapter 21. Luke 21, and we're going to look at verse 25. These are just a few examples I want to show you. Luke 21, verse 25. This is what Jesus said over 2,000 years ago. Luke 21, 25. Jesus says, And there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars, and upon the earth distress of nations with what? Perplexity. The sea and the waves doing what? What? 
roaring, men's hearts failing them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth for the powers of heaven shall be shaken. 2,000 years ago, Jesus said, listen, in the last days, seas and waves are going to be what? Roaring. How many of you have seen it? Jesus says, I tell you before it comes to pass that you may know that I am he. You think about the Indian Ocean tsunami. You think about what just happened uh, in New Orleans. And you think about the fact that men's hearts are now what? Failing them for fear. Now, I'm going to tell you something. I don't think we could have said men's hearts are failing them for fear before September 11, 2001. That sound like a crazy statement? I think people were living a, a, you know, just going on with life. But after September 11, notice how fear-oriented society has become. We get on airplanes, and we're looking around. We're wondering about security. Everything now is about security because men's hearts are what? Failing them for fear. Let me say something else up front. This is not going to be a scare you fear doomsday prophecy seminar, okay? So you're not going to go home crying. This seminar is about giving us hope, amen? It's about letting us know that the world is truly in God's hands and those who, who, who will simply submit their lives to Jesus Christ, he will take care of them. Amen? Notice Matthew chapter 24. Matthew 24. Matthew chapter 24. Just a few more examples. Matthew 24. And I want you to notice verse 3. Matthew 24, verse 3, the Bible says here, speaking of Jesus, and he sat upon the Mount of Olives, and as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming, and of the end of the world? Jesus said, and Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. In other words, the disciples are asking, What are going to be some signs that the world is coming to an end? And Jesus says, Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. Are we seeing false prophets today? Just think about the last 10 years. Heaven's gates. Heaven's gate, rather. Think about uh, David Koresh. Think about all these uh, so-called prophets who have risen on the scene and who have deceived people, brought, leading them to death. We see an increase of false prophets. Verse 6 says, Ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. Are we hearing of wars and rumors of wars? Do you realize that the 20th century has been the bloodiest century out of all since human history? The 20th century, there has been more bloodshed in war than all centuries. We're living Brothers and sisters, in an, in an incredible time. It says, but see that you be not troubled. In other words, how can Christ say, see that you be not troubled? If you have peace in Jesus, you can look around and see all these things and you know the rest of the story. That's why he says, be not troubled. Because he's saying it to those who have said, Lord, Lord I give my life to you. And he says, okay, I'm going to show you what's going to happen. And now that you know what's going to happen, you don't need to be what? Afraid or fearful. See that you be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation. I don't need to comment on that. Kingdom against kingdom. There shall be famines. Are we seeing famines? 
One-sixth of the world population is, is, is in famine right now. And pestilences. You know, it seems like every year they've got some new crazy virus that there's no, uh, no kind of cure for. It seems like they're just multiplying. It goes on to say, and earthquakes in diverse places. There was just an earthquake today in, where was that? Who knows? New Guinea. New Guinea. Earthquake today in New Guinea. We're seeing these things with a rapidity that is breathtaking. It says, all of these are simply the beginning of sorrows. Jump down with me to verse 12. The Bible says, and because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. Think about Columbine. How could these two young men walk into a school and just begin shooting? The Bible says that in the last days, because iniquity would abound, the love of many would begin to wax or grow cold. I was driving here today and I saw this, this young girl. She was in her pumping gas and uh, in her windshield, hanging from her uh, rearview mirror, was a sign that said, I hate you. And I thought to myself, wow. You know, humanity is growing cold and there is a reason why. Jesus, when he spoke to his disciples, they were standing 2,000 years in the past. And Jesus says, I want you to look down the future and I want you to see what's coming to pass. He says, I tell you before it come to pass that when it happens, you will believe that I am who? That I am he. And you say, well, you know what? You know, people have been prophesying about earthquakes and, and floods and, you know, everybody, anybody can do that. Well, let me share something else with you. How many of you are familiar with the book of Revelation? You realize, you may not have read it through, but you realize Revelation is an entire book of prophecy. John, who is the author of the book of Revelation, says that this entire book was given to him by Jesus Christ. So Jesus gives us an entire book of prophecies that are more than just earthquakes are going to happen. Floods are going to happen. He gets down to specific times and dates. And then he says, now have one of the other gods try that. Do you realize if you read the Quran or any other holy book that you will find that those books are absent of any serious prophecy? They may speak in general terms, the world is going to come to an end. But in terms of getting down to the very specifics of nations that will rise and nations that will fall and things that will happen in the economy and what powers are going to do, no other book compares to the Bible. And I'm talking, I'm going to be showing you this throughout this seminar. So please just give me the benefit of the doubt as I speak here. Now, again, we're seeing... That signs are being fulfilled. False Christ, false prophets, wars, rumors of wars, famines, pestilences, earthquakes and natural disasters, increased crime. Listen to what the Bible says in the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 12, there was war, where? In heaven. The Bible tells us not only of things to come in the future, but the Bible tells us of something that happened a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. The Bible tells us that, that the rebellion actually began not here on earth, 
The war that we are now seeing, all the chaos, all the, the destruction that we're seeing, the Bible says that in order to find out what it's all about, we've got to go way, way, way back to the very beginning. And the Bible tells us that there was war in heaven. Look at what it goes on to say, verse 7 to 9 of Revelation 12. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called who? The devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world, he was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. How did it all begin? That's the question. The Bible says, Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea, for the devil is come down unto who? You having great wrath because he knows he has but a short time. The Bible explains to us that the destruction we're seeing, the chaos we're seeing, all come from a person by the name of the devil. And you say, is there really a devil? We're gonna look at it. we're gonna be looking at all this through this seminar, brothers and sisters. So just hold on, okay? Revelation Star Wars. Here's what we're going to find out. What is it all over? What is the controversy over between Christ and Satan? How did it begin? And how will it end? Okay. I'm going to try to speed through this as quickly as I can. So bear with me. Tonight will be the only night that I try to speak super duper fast. Okay. Everything else is going to be, we're going to, plus we're pushed for time. Okay. How did rebellion begin in a place called heaven that was perfect? How did rebellion begin? I don't know if you've ever asked yourself that question. How could rebellion begin in a place where all was peace and harmony? When God created angels, the Bible says God is love. When God created angels, he created them with the capacity to love. Which meant that God, because he is love, created angels with something called freedom of choice. Let me ask you, how many of you are married? How many of you forced your spouse to marry you? <laughs> Don't raise your hand. Could we call it love if we had forced our spouse to marry us? No, we couldn't. Because love doesn't force. Love allows love in order for love to be love. It has to be free will. So when God created the angels, before he created one angel, God knew that if he had given them free will, that one or some of those angels may at some point in the future choose to rebel against him. But the Bible says God is love. God could have either said, you know what, I'm just going to hang out by myself. But if you know what love is like, brothers and sisters, love doesn't do well by itself. Love needs someone to love. Amen? And so God created angels, and for a long time, we're not told how long, but for a long time, there was perfect harmony in heaven. Until one angel, an angel by the name of Lucifer, an angel who we will see was the highest of all angels. Something began to happen with this angel. And this 
is where the rebellion began. Turning your Bibles with me to the book of Ezekiel chapter 28. And we're going to go through this verse very meticulously because there is a lot in here. And let me tell you, if you can get this, you have the, and you have the foundation to understand the entire controversy. You ever look at a war and wondered, what are they fighting over? You know, it's, it's difficult to understand a conflict if you don't know what it's over. And I, want, I would dare say that many Christians are in a war and have no idea what it is over. We're going to find out tonight. Notice Ezekiel 28. Ezekiel chapter 28. And I want you to notice verse 12. What happens in this verse is that God here is speaking, and he's speaking to a particular king of a particular uh, region, uh, the king of Tyrus. But he's using this king, and he's personifying him as Satan. So he's really addressing Satan as we will read on. It says here in uh, uh, Ezekiel 28 verse 12, Son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God, Thou sealest up the sum, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Satan was perfect in wisdom and in beauty, it says. Verse 13, Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering, the sardis, the topaz, the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, the carbuncle, the gold. The workmanship of thy tablets and of thy pipes were prepared in thee in the day that thou, were, thou was created. Now notice verse 14. Thou art the anointed cherub, that word cherub means angel, that covereth, and I have set thee so. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. God is, is explaining to us this being named Lucifer, who was a perfect being, walking up and down in the midst of God. And then verse 15 says, Thou was what? Perfect in thy ways. Did God create a misfunctional angel. No, the Bible says he was what? Perfect in his ways from the day that you were created until, what's that word? Iniquity was found in thee. The Bible says iniquity was found in Satan. Well, the question is, you're wondering, what is Iniquity. Let's look at a verse here, Matthew 7, 23. This is just an example. In the KJV Bible, Jesus says, Then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work what? Iniquity. So we know that iniquity is something bad. But look at this other translation, modern King James Version. And then I will say to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, those working what? Lawlessness. So brothers and sisters, iniquity equals what? Lawlessness. Let me hear you say that one more time because I want to make sure you get it. Iniquity equals lawlessness. Very, very good. This point is so crucial because what it tells us, brothers and sisters, is that Satan began to rebel against a... Man, come on, guys. Satan began to rebel against a... There you go. Amen. Satan began to rebel against a law that was in heaven. It says he, iniquity or lawlessness was found in him. Now remember, when God created the world, when God created angels, it was uh, the principle. Let me show you here. 
the law of self-sacrificing love was the law of heaven. That was the law. Notice Galatians 5.14. For all the laws fulfilled in one word, even in this, thou shalt do what? Love thy neighbor as thyself. Heaven was based on this principle. This was the law. Romans 13.10. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. It was the law of love. Self-sacrificing love. The fact that God created angels with freedom of choice. Knowing that if they rebelled, he himself would be willing to come and die for us. Heaven was built on this principle of self-sacrificing love. Well, Satan began to rebel against this law. How? Ezekiel 28 verse 17. Notice what it says in verse 17. It says, Thine heart was lifted up because of thy what? Beauty. Thou hast corrupted thy wisdom by reason of thy what? Brightness. Now listen, brothers and sisters, Satan did not begin to say, you know what? I think that I'm going to be evil. No, 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 no. It said by reason of his what? Brightness. In other words, Satan began to look at himself and he said, you know what? I'm a pretty good guy. Look at me. God has created me the highest of all angels. All the angels love and adore me. Um... I'm pretty good. God says he began to corrupt his wisdom by reason of his what? Brightness or his beauty. Now, notice with me in Isaiah chapter 14. You can hold your finger here because we're going to be flipping back and forth between these two chapters. Isaiah chapter 14. You can turn there. I've got it here already. Isaiah 14 beginning with verse 12. Notice what the Bible says here. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer? The name Lucifer means morning or, or uh, light bearer. Say, uh, Lucifer in heaven was called the light bearer. So how art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said where? In thine heart. He didn't say it out loud. He didn't go around telling, telling other angels, hey look. He simply said in his Heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will do what? Exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like who? The most high. Now let me ask you a question. What is the most high like? You can call out to me. When you think of the Most High, you're going to think of what? God is love. What else is He? He's merciful. What else? He is kind. He is eternal. He is everlasting. All these wonderful attributes. Listen carefully. What was Satan saying when he said, I will be like the Most High? He was saying, listen, I don't need a law in order to be holy like God, how many of you get that? How many of you see that? In other words, remember, Lucifer began to rebel. He began to exercise lawlessness. And yet he was saying, I can be like God. God, I don't need you to tell me what to I am already beautiful. I am already perfect. I don't need to follow this law you've laid down in order to be perfect. I can be like you all by myself. I'm pretty good. Have you ever heard that out there? I'm pretty good. I pay my taxes. Uh, I watch over my kids. 
I send them to good schools. I don't need Jesus. <laughs> if it sounds familiar, brothers and sisters, that's where it began. You can be holy, you can be good without submission to God. Notice Ezekiel 28 verse 16. This is, this is just... Huh. Ezekiel 28 verse 16. The Bible says here of Satan... By the multitude of thy merchandise, they have filled the midst of thee with violence, and thou hast sinned. Thou hast defiled thy sanctuaries by the multitude of thine iniquities, by the iniquity of thy traffic. Now that's a real confusing way of saying something very simple. God told, God is saying to us here, that Satan began to traffic. What do you, what do you think of when you hear the word traffic? Okay. You usually think about something, well, we're not talking about traffic on the road. We're talking about something illegal. If someone is trafficking something, what are they doing? Yeah, they're, they're peddling, as it were. They're, they're uh, uh, carrying things to people. It's a form of merchandise. The Bible says that Satan began to traffic what? His merchandise. So what is it that Satan began to traffic in heaven? What is it that he began to sell? He began to sell Lies. Satan began to go around to other angels and say, hey, listen, you know, God has given us this law and, and it's, you're free. Why do you need a law? And he began to traffic this merchandise to, to, to the other angels. Look, you can be holy without be, being in submission to who? To God. And so as he begins to traffic this, uh, this uh, merchandise, the angels begin to listen. We're going to see that in a moment. We're going to touch on this first because this is extremely important. Notice Ezekiel 28 verse 17. The Bible says here, speaking of Satan, Thou hast defiled thy, what? Sanctuaries by the multitude of thine iniquity, by the iniquity of thy traffic. So Satan's trafficking defiles something. What did it defile everyone? I don't hear you. What did it defile? The sanctuaries. Very good. Now the question is, what does that mean? Why is that so significant? Why was this such an offense to God? Let me read it in the basic Bible for English. It says, by all your sin, even by your evil trading, you have made your what? Holy places unclean. So the Bible tells us then that there, were, there was in heaven something called a sanctuary or holy what? Holy places, and that Satan, the word defile, it means to it means to intentionally desecrate. So in heaven, Satan intentionally desecrated something called what? Sanctuaries. Why is that so relevant? Notice Jeremiah 17:2. The Bible says there a glorious high throne from the beginning is the place of our what? Sanctuary. What do you do from a throne? You rule. You rule. So that when the Bible says that Satan defiled the sanctuary, what he was defiling or what he was purposely desecrating was God's what? Throne or God's rule. We're beginning to see what this controversy is all over. Notice again, the Lord is in his holy what? Temple, the Lord's throne is in heaven. This is the same thing. It's simply telling us that the throne and the sanctuary are one and the same thing. 
Notice again in Isaiah 14 and verse 12. 13, it says, For thou hast said in thy heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my what? Throne above the stars of God. So in other words, God has his throne, which is his sanctuary. And Satan says, I don't, I'm going to desecrate your throne. We don't need your throne. We don't need your rulership. I will exalt my what? Throne above the stars of God. And we're going to see in a little while that the stars of God is a term used for angels. So what Satan was saying was, I'm going to exalt my rule and my authority over angels, over the angels of God. And so Satan began trafficking his merchandise and he began to tell the angels, listen man, laws are for slaves. God is a dictator. And because he's a dictator, he doesn't even trust you. Why does he have to tell you to love him? Can't we do that on our own? Doesn't that sound like a good argument? I hope it doesn't sound like a good argument to you. And so the angels listen and watch what it says. And there was what? War in heaven. Now let me mind, let me, let me put, this was a holy war. You understand that? Satan was not saying, let's go be evil. He was saying, listen man, we can live holy without being in submission to God. We can go off and all. In fact, we, why don't we take God's throne? He's a dictator. He's breaking the law of freedom. Now you might ask, why didn't God just shut Satan up when he started merchandising? When he started trafficking? Why didn't God just shut Satan up? Just, you know, and now he couldn't talk. Free will. Then Satan would have been what? Right in his accusation. So God had to allow Lucifer to speak. Do you get that? What if somebody came with an accusation against President Bush today and tomorrow the CIA took him out and he was dead? What, what would you think? You would think that they must have known something that he knew that they didn't, that they didn't want to get out and so they simply got what? Rid of him. That would have added, argue, added power to Satan's argument. It says there was war in heaven and the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil, and Satan which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth and his angels were cast out with him. Revelation 12, 4 says, And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven and did cast into the earth. Brothers and sisters, the first star war took place where? In heaven. Revelation's star wars. And the Bible says that they were cast out. The third part of the stars were cast out into, onto, into this planet. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12. It tells us they put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle, what? Not against flesh and blood. Brothers and sisters, listen. I am not your enemy. You are not my enemy. The Bible tells us that the enemy is unseen. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, that means governments, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. We are in a conflict, but in fact, I would dare say that there was a conflict over some of you even being here tonight. You don't have to... But I tell you, brothers and sisters, every time you make a move to get closer to God, the devil knows about it, and he's angry. And he will do whatever he can to stop that. So we are told that the conflict is not against flesh and blood. 
The Bible says, God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. What does the word sin mean? What is sin? The Bible says the angels sinned. Very simple. 1 John chapter 3, verse 4. You want to read that with me? Whosoever committeth what? Sin transgresses also the law. For sin is the transgression of the law. So what do the angels do in heaven? They sinned. They transgressed the law, which was the foundation of God's government or the foundation of his holy places or the foundation of his sanctuary. Is this all making sense? And see any hands go up. <laughs> I believe it's making sense. Okay. The Bible says that they were cast out into hell. The word there, hell, simply means Tartaru. They weren't cast into some burning place. They were simply cast out into space, into the abyss. Now, fast forward with me. I'm going to try, try to start to move really quick. The Bible takes us now to the beginning of the creation of this planet. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. You're all familiar with the story of God creating this planet. He created Adam and Eve, created planet in six days, and then he created Adam and Eve, and if you would turn in your Bibles to Genesis 2 and verse 7, we're going to see something incredible. Genesis 2 verse 7 the Bible says, And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. Question, did God make man in love? Yes or no? Yes, so he gave Adam as well the freedom of choice to rebel against him. Is that right? Which means that he would also have to give Adam, the, just as he, as he gave the angels in heaven, freedom of choice to listen to Satan's arguments, so Adam and Eve would also have that what? That freedom. So the Bible goes on to say, in verse, uh, in verse 9, And out of the ground the Lord made to grow every tree that is pleasant to the eye and good for food, and the tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Verse 16, the Lord commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest eat freely, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that you eat thereof you shall surely what? Die. In other words, God said, Listen, I'm putting a tree here, and I want you to obey me no matter what happens. You need to obey. Because if you disobey, you are breaking the law of self-sacrificing love and you're going to end up under Satan's throne. He didn't, I don't know if he said all that, but basically what he was saying was you're going to be breaking the law of self-sacrificing love. Don't eat of that tree. Now go with me to Genesis 3. But there the Bible says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, that is Eve, Yea, has God said ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest you, what? Die. And the serpent said unto the woman, You shall, what? Not surely die. Question. Do you think it's possible that when the angels, when Satan was speaking to the angels in heaven, that they may have thought, you know, if we rebel against God, he's the source of our life, we'll die. You think that may be possible? 
You think the angels might have thought about that? Man, if we rebel against God, that is our source of life. What do you think Satan told them? You can live eternally without God. Come on, don't let him scare you. He's a tyrant. And so now we find Satan again trafficking his merchandise. You shall not surely die, but watch this as well. For God does know that in the day you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and you shall be as God's knowing what? Good and evil. Eve, you don't need a law to know the difference between good and evil. How many of you see it? You don't need a law to know the difference between good and evil. You can be, if you eat of this tree, you can be like God. You can have the knowledge all on your own. You can be holy. He didn't come and tell Eve, hey Eve, you want to be evil? Did he say that to her? No. He just said, you can be like God's knowing good and evil. You don't need to listen to God. He's just afraid that if you eat of this tree, that you'll be just like him without having to depend on him. Satan traffics his merchandise again, and Adam and Eve, listen, they eat of the tree. How many of you know the story? And you know what happens after they ate of the tree? What happened? God came, and what did they do? They ran. Brothers and sisters, when you are... By the way, Satan had exalted his throne over the stars of God. Instead of the angels being under God's throne, they were now under whose throne? Satan's throne. Now Satan on earth exalted his throne over Adam and Eve. And what happens when you are under Satan's throne? When God comes to you, when the loving, merciful, kind God reaches out to you, what do you do? You run. That is the sign of being under Satan's throne. Do you know how many people got flyers today? Yesterday? Day before? And they saw God on there and they went, nope. Not going. Anything to do with God? I don't want to have anything to do with it. The sign, beloved, that we are under Satan's throne is that when we see or hear God, we go what? Running in the other direction. And beloved, believe it or not, despite that, God still chases after us. Beautiful. Because he's about the law of self-sacrificing love. When Adam and Eve sinned, Something was introduced called the law of what? Sin and death. Romans 8.2. What is the law of sin and death? Very simple. The law of sin and death says you must obey your flesh. How many of you know that law? You must obey your flesh. What else? The law of sin and death, death says you have no control over self. So don't even try it. Any of you ever experienced that law? Do as you please. Live how you choose. You are a hopeless addict. This is the law that issues from Satan's throne. And this is the law that Adam and Eve came under. In fact, even nature, when Adam and Eve rebelled against the holy places of God, the throne of God, the sanctuary of God, the first, when they sinned, brothers and sisters, it was at that point that the very first leaf died. You ever thought about that? There was no such thing as death. Trees didn't die. But when Adam and Eve sinned, even nature, when they rebelled against the throne of God, the sanctuary of God, even nature itself began to fall apart. And that was a prerequisite, a taste of what was to come in the future. So now we've got disasters, hurricanes, floods, tornadoes. And beloved, it is all because of the rebellion against the holy places where? 
in heaven. This is what the controversy is all about. Revelation Star Wars is a war of thrones. Satan's government was based upon the law of sin and death, selfishness. God's government is based upon the law of self-sacrificing love. Genesis 3.15. God gives a promise to Adam and Eve after they have sinned. He says, listen, I'm going to send, I'm going to put enmity between you and the woman. He's speaking to the serpent. By the way, you know that, that Adam blamed his wife? How many of you know that? When God said, Adam, what did you do? Adam went. Come on, God. I mean, the woman you gave me. That is what it means to be under Satan's throne. We don't take responsibility for our sins. We blame it on somebody else. And Eve does the same thing. So God comes to the serpent. He says, I'll put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. I'm going to ask you something. It is 8 o'clock and I, I've made a promise to let you out at 8 o'clock. Tonight I got started late. I will not do this again. Could you give me some time? Would that be okay? Okay, thank you. God tells Adam and Eve that he was going to put enmity. Enmity means hatred. They were now under Satan's throne. He was saying, I'm going to redeem you from Satan's throne. I'm going to send a deliverer who will bruise, let me go back here real quick, who will bruise the head of the serpent and the serpent will only be able to bruise his heel. Now, out of having your heel bruised or your head bruised, your heel crushed or your head crushed, which would you rather? Your heel. Which means that Satan, this is... About the coming Messiah. The coming Messiah would crush the head of Satan. Satan would only be able to do what? Bruise his heel. Now, let me fast forward a little bit. God is going to give humanity a special gift. And this is where I get really excited, brothers and sisters, because this is where it's all going to come together. God is going to give humanity a special gift that's going to help them to get back to the kingdom of heaven. How many of you want to know what that gift is? Brothers and sisters, oh man, can you imagine what's in that box? Listen, this special gift contained the battle plans for victory for the human race. Does that sound exciting? Are you, you know, as you're struggling with smoke and you're struggling with, you know, all kinds of different addictions. This special gift contained the battle plan for victory over every problem you have. Sounds too good to be true, but it's true. This battle plan, this special gift contained the blueprint for truth in a world confused by sin. You ever wonder why there's so many, so much confusion over the Bible? Come on now, be honest. Try that again. I know your arms work. Yeah, I've wondered myself. God says, by this special gift, you will be able to discern everything that is true from everything that is false. How many of you would like to have that special gift in your possession? Amen, brothers and sisters. We need something like that. Listen, God's special gift would reveal the key to deliverance from the law of sin and death. In other words, this special gift would tell us how to get out from under the throne of Satan. This special gift was to reveal the Messiah's earthly mission to save humanity. Do you think the devil wanted that special gift hanging around? No, he's going to want to destroy it because if we were to get this special gift, we would have all these things at our disposal. It reveals the Messiah's heavenly mission to save humanity. So both Messiah's earthly mission and the Messiah's heavenly mission. What was that special gift? This special gift reveals the fate of 
of Satan. You think Satan wants something around that's going to reveal his fate? No, he doesn't. This special gift reveals the focal point of the controversy. I know you're just dying to have that box open. This special gift reveals the law of self-sacrificing love. The special gift, brothers and sisters. And what else can we expect? God says in Exodus 25 and verse 8, He told Moses, Let them make me a... Yes. I'm excited. Let them make me a sanctuary that I may what? Dwell among them. Remember, there was a sanctuary where? In heaven. And this sanctuary contained the law of God's government. That law of self-sacrificing love. Now this world claimed by Satan. Satan says, this is my world, my dominion. And God says, oh, hold on. We're not going to go on challenge. I'm going to get a miniature model of my government and send it down to humanity. The very thing that got Satan kicked out of heaven, God says, now Moses, I'm going to show you a picture of that sanctuary that was in heaven, and I want you to build one just like it. And there you have the picture of the sanctuary. We're not going to get into detail about this now. We're just over, having an overview. But here was what was called the, the, the uh, outer court in this area here where animals were sacrificed. It's called the altar of sacrifice. And then you had this tent. And believe it or not, beloved, inside that tent were two compartments called holy what? Places. What is it that Satan defiled in heaven? Holy places. This is the very model of the sanctuary in heaven that God told Moses to build. It, was, it consisted of two compartments. This compartment called the holy... Here's the court. Then you would walk in. This is called the holy place. Table of showbread, altar of incense, seven branch candlestick. And then you would go into what was called the most holy place where there was that special box. Very special box. And God sat upon that box. Now... The sanctuary is a miniature model then of the government of God. Listen, the Bible says in Psalm 77, 13, Thy what? Way, O God, is where? In the sanctuary. Now, I'm just going to ask you a question, honestly. Uh, how many of you have been in church for a long time? How many of you have ever heard that God's way is in the sanctuary? Okay, good. More than I... More than I thought but I tell you brothers and sisters on a large scale there are people who have never heard that God's way is in the sanctuary you say no 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 God's way is not in the sanctuary Jesus Christ says I am the way so how do those two verses match how do those two verses match Brothers and sisters, very simple. God says His ways in the sanctuary, His way to salvation, His way to victory, His way to the truth is found only through the sanctuary, just like it was in heaven. So how can Jesus say, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me? Well, let me show you. This is beautiful. I hope I don't get too excited here. There's a bird's eye view of the sanctuary. You had the altar of sacrifice. You had the labor that we saw there in the outer court. Then you had the holy place with the three articles of furniture. Then you had the most holy place. Now, Lord, help me not to get excited. You don't get it. Yeah. It's a cross, brothers and sisters. 
The very way in which the sanctuary furniture was set up thousands of years before Jesus died on a cross was set up showing, revealing that our Messiah would come and demonstrate the law of self-sacrificing love. The devil doesn't want you to know about the sanctuary. Because if you know about it, and if you walk in the way, because Jesus is in the sanctuary, brothers and sisters, if you walk in the way, the devil knows that all your confusion about the Bible and all your misunderstandings about the Bible are going to clear up and evaporate. So he must keep this sanctuary out of your mind. The sanctuary would also... Well, let's go ahead and read this very uh, verse very quickly. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of what? No reputation, and took upon himself the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of man, and being found in the fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Satan said, I'm going to exalt myself. Christ comes and says, I'm going to what? Humble myself. You see the two laws there in conflict? You see the two thrones? One throne says, I'm going to be the best. I'm going to be right and you're going to be wrong. I'm going to do my will. I'm going to do my pleasure. God, Christ comes and says, I am going to exhibit the law of self-sacrificing love. I'm going to humble myself and you can beat me and do all these things, but I still love you. When Jesus died on a cross, the Bible says that when they were come to the place which is called Calvary, there they crucified him, the malefactors on one right hand and the other on the left. Brothers and sisters, do you realize that the word for Calvary in the Greek is cranium? Help me not to get excited now. Do you realize the significance of this text? Let me read another one to you very quickly. And when they were coming to the place called Golgotha, so in Matthew is called Golgotha, in Luke is called Calvary. When they were coming to a place called Golgotha, that is to say the place of a what? Skull. There they crucified him. Brothers and sisters, whose skull-shaped hill, that whose skull do you think that hill represented that the cross of Christ, which is a form of the sanctuary, was hammered down into? Whose skull do you think that represented? Oh, man, you guys are brilliant. Satan's skull. God, Christ came and set up, up his government. You know, I can imagine Satan just thinking, ah, this is Christ's death march. All the angels are rejoicing. Ha, ha, ha. Ho, ho, ho. Christ is being crucified and we have won. And didn't even realize that his death was their death now. Oh, brothers and sisters, praise the Lord. The Bible says, when Jesus died on that skull-shaped hill, the Bible says, And Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost, and behold, the veil of the temple was rent in two from the top to the bottom, and the earth did what? Quake, and the rocks rent, and the graves were opened. In other words, what happened to that skull-shaped hill when Jesus died? It broke apart. Brothers and sisters, the gospel blew Satan's mind. Somebody can say amen. Amen. The gospel blew Satan's mind. I cannot believe that Jesus Christ would come down here and die for all wicked sinners like you. The law of self-sacrificing love. And Jesus says, through this sanctuary, you get what I mean now when I say sanctuary. Through this sanctuary, you too can blow the devil's mind. How many of you would like to blow the devil's mind? 
brothers and sisters, God says that you do it and you do it through the sanctuary. The sanctuary also reveals Christ's heavenly mission. Now you remember that when Jesus died, we said he, uh, in, the, in, the, in the sanctuary there was the altar of sacrifice. That's where the animals were what? Were slain, were killed. Well, Jesus died on the cross on this earth, but three days later he resurrected and he ascended into heaven. Watch this. The Bible tells us that Jesus Christ is now our high priest in the heavenly sanctuary. Listen. Now of the things which we have spoken, this is the sum. We have such a high priest. Now let me ask you, what is a high priest without a sanctuary? No. We have such a high priest who is set on the right hand of the what? Throne of the majesty in the heavens, a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle which the Lord pitched and not man. Is there a sanctuary in heaven right now? Yes. Does the devil want you to enter into that sanctuary? No. He will do whatever he can to keep your mind occupied on whatever else except the fact that you now have a high priest in the heavenly government of God standing on you. An ambassador as it were in the government of God standing for you. Isn't that good news? For Christ has not entered into the holy places. What did Satan defile? Holy what? Places. For Christ has not entered into the holy places made with hands. That is to say, not the temple that Moses built, which are a figure of the true, but into heaven itself not to appear in the presence of God for us. Now, the sanctuary reveals the fate of Satan. Listen. The Bible says in the, old, in the sanctuary, in the Old Testament sanctuary, when they killed an animal, they were to take the fat of that animal and to burn it. Listen to what the Bible says. The fat of the animals were to be burned. But the wicked shall perish, the enemies of the Lord shall be as the fat of the lambs, and they shall consume into smoke, shall they consume away. Even of Satan, beloved, look at what it says. Therefore, this is Ezekiel 28. Therefore will I bring forth a fire from the midst of thee. It shall devour thee. And I will bring thee to what? Ashes upon the earth in the sight of all them that behold thee. That behold thee. Do you know that Satan paints us, uh, Hollywood paints Satan as a ruler in heaven? I'm sorry, ruler in hell? Ah, you're in hell now. My dominion. It is time to burn you. I am in charge of hell. Well, the Bible says... That Satan will be what? Devoured and I will bring thee to ashes. Read it right there in Ezekiel 28. Good news. Amen? Good news. Satan is not in charge of hell, brother. We're going to get into that. But let's recap. The sanctuary reveals three major phases of salvation for humanity. One, Christ's mission on earth as our sacrifice. Two, Christ's mission in heaven as our high priest. And three, the origin and the eradication of sin. Do you remember the Bible called Satan the covering cherub? Ezekiel 28, 14. It called him the what? Covering cherub. What did that mean? Very simple. When you go into the most holy place, there's a little special box upon which God sat and there were two angels that what? That covered. These were called the covering angels. Satan in heaven was a covering angel. He was in the very presence of God and he covered the law of self-sacrificing love and then he turned his back on it and now he wants to get you to do what? Turn your back on it. Have you ever heard this? You don't need a law to be holy like God. You ever heard that? 
try it again. <laughs> Come on. Because it's out there. Don't, don't, don't play now. Have you ever heard that? You know, we, we are free. Sounds really familiar, brothers and sisters. Revelation Star Wars was a war against the earthly mission of Christ. The devil didn't want the earthly sanctuary built. And now it is a war against the heavenly mission of Christ. The devil doesn't want you to understand the heavenly sanctuary. We're coming down to the close, brothers and sisters. It is a war against the plan to put an end to the rebellion. Now, listen, the Bible says, how are we going to overcome Satan? It says they overcame him by the what? blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony why does it why does we why does it say they overcame him that you and I overcome satan by the blood very simple in the old testament sanctuary the sinner when a person sinned they would get an animal not their beautiful animal that they had kept you know kept and fed and loved and they were to take that animal and put the, their hands on the head of that animal and confess their sins over that animal take a knife cut its throat who did that animal represent? Jesus Christ brothers and sisters when you and I sinned it caused the death of Jesus and through that death he turns around and forgives us talk about love talk about love now listen, once the person uh, slew that animal, he could then enter into the sanctuary. Here is the point. A person could not enter into the sanctuary unless he had blood. Do you get that? The blood was the means of the person entering the sanctuary. The blood, we overcome the devil by the blood because the blood gives us access to the sanctuary. Listen, here is where Christ died and we enter in at this place here, spiritually speaking, we enter in through our confession of sin. Lord, I forgive me for being on the Satan's throne. Forgive me for worshiping at Satan's throne. I confess my sin and when you confess your sin, God says, now I invite you to reign under my throne. Amen? It is by the blood that we overcome. Listen, the Bible says, but Christ being come a high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats or cows, but by his own what? Blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. And then it goes on to say, but now in Christ Jesus, you who sometimes were far off are made nigh or near by the blood of Christ. Where is Christ now? In the heavenly sanctuary, the blood draws us near to Christ, which means the blood gives us access to where Christ is in the sanctuary. That's why we overcome Satan. Because now we are under Christ's throne and we overcome by his blood. The blood gives us access, having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the where? Holiest. You can enter. How many of you would like to enter into the holiest? How many would like to enter into the sanctuary of God? God says, having boldness to enter into the holiness of the, of the, by the blood of Jesus and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance. I'm going to move forward. I've just got a couple more slides here. God invites us into a sanctuary where we may be empowered to follow Jesus, where we can be changed into his image, where we can break every addiction, where we can have a clear understanding of truth, and where we may be fitted and prepared for the government of heaven. God has given us a miniature government for us to get used to how he heaven operates. Those who, who, who will submit themselves to the government of God here on earth will enter into heaven. 
Satan does on earth what he did in heaven. You remember he defiled the holy places? Well, brothers and sisters, in the book of Daniel, I'm, I'm, I'm really coming to a close. Trust me. Trust me. Satan attacks through the Antichrist, the sanctuary. Listen to what it says in Daniel 8.11. We're going to be, t- this is the overview. He magnified himself to the prince of the host. The prince of the host is Jesus. He is Antichrist. Magnified himself against the prince of the host. And the place of his, that is Jesus' sanctuary, was cast down. And it cast down the truth to the ground. And it practiced and prospered. Something that Antichrist is going to do is he's going to cast down the temple of God. He can't reach up into heaven and do it. But he'll cast it down in your mind. He'll say, forget about the sanctuary. He'll say, you don't need to know about that. He will set up a sanctuary here on earth instead of having your mind focus on a sanctuary where? In heaven. Very good. Everything else is going to be a piece of cake, brothers and sisters. The result of rebelling against God's sanctuary is lawlessness, wars and rumors of wars, crime, pestilence and famines, earthquakes, floods, chaos. The results of obeying God, Christ's sanctuary, is that it produces a people who will stand in opposition to the throne of Satan. How many of you would like to be a part of that people who stand in opposition to the throne of Satan? Here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of Satan. Here are they that keep the commandments of who? God and have the faith of Jesus Christ. And the Bible finally says, we're in the last days now. There shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation even to that same time. And at that time, thy people shall be delivered. Everyone that shall be found written in the book. And verse 3 goes on to say, they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmaments. And they that turn many to righteousness as the what? Stars. How many of you would like to be a star? Brothers and sisters, Revelations, Star Wars. This war, brothers and sisters, is between the stars that turn people to righteousness versus the fallen stars from heaven who are trying to turn people against the sanctuary and the throne of God. Do you see the Star Wars now? Do you see it? The dragon was wroth and went went to make war with the remnant which do what? Keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. The Bible says because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold, but he that shall endure unto the end the same shall be saved. Endure in what? In the law of self-sacrificing love. I'm going to my last slide. Here it is. The Bible says, and I saw as it were a sea of glass mingled with fire and them that had gotten the victory over the beast and over his image and over his mark and over the number of his name stand on the sea of glass having the hearts of God and then it says I heard a great voice out of heaven saying behold this is heaven now the last chapter of the Bible behold the what tabernacle of God is what with men And he will dwell with them and they shall be his people and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And he will wipe away all tears from their eyes and there shall be no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying. Neither shall there be any more pain because the former things are passed away. Brothers and sisters, the rebellion began in heaven where Satan rebelled against the throne or the sanctuary of God. He was cast out onto this earth. He got men to do the same thing. 
the whole entire war tonight over each and every one of you in here tonight is whose throne are you currently under? Satan says it is impossible for you to keep the self-sacrificing law of love in a society like this. You've got to stand up for yourself. You can't let people push you over. How many of you trust Jesus that he can empower you to do the impossible? Brethren and sisters, as Athena comes forward to sing, I, I, I want to apologize and yet I don't want to apologize. It is 8.25 and I told you I will, not, I will not do this again. I do apologize for keeping you here late tonight, but I tell you what, I'm rejoicing because I know the devil is angry. Because the devil did not want you to know this. The devil did not want you to understand that there is a way of escape that God has provided for each one of us and that way is in the sanctuary. Now as we discuss the mark of the beast, as we discuss the rapture, as we discuss all these different things pertaining to prophecy, you're going to understand it so clearly in the light of the sanctuary that you'll probably end up weeping. God is calling you to enter into his throne.